I'm talking about savior glory Man talking about left or right It's live on our knees or stand and fight Stand and fight And fight Live on our knees or stand and fight Stand and fight And fight It's live on our knees or stand and fight Stand and fight full-blown literary and movie phenomenon of the girl with the dragon tattoo will be based on the international welcome everyone to the tori says show i'm your host tori and happy veterans day to everyone this is a trailer from over a decade ago the girl who kicked the hornessness i'll replay it so that everyone can enjoy the show better. Sorry, I had to stop it in the middle. You know, impact and all. final chapter of the most talked about cinematic event is finally here. Based on the international bestseller by Steve Larson. The full-blown literary and movie phenomenon of the girl with the dragon tattoo will be concluded. Pretty dope film, right? It was. And see, a lot of people don't simile uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo with uh, the girl who kicked the hornet's nest. Now... That should have been the title, but, you know, I digress. Great work, isn't it? See, as many are living in the land of confusion, <laughs> the irony, right? What people don't see is that around the world, they are all fighting the same battle. I shared a video, an artistic film, I would say, while many would think it was all thumping BLM and whatnot, they missed the message. The message is one of unity, of unity of people, of unity amongst all. See, the global faction is what the group is called, has put videos like this before. One of the, my favorite musical melodies that they published over seven years ago is titled Righteous Indignation. And if you paid attention to the lyrics, and I left the lyrics on the screen, but here they weren't talking about their slavery as per color, but mankind's. Righteous Indignation. Psalm 4.4. Right? Everyone has righteous indignation. Even the Bible tells you. You have the right 
to be angry. But don't sin. Don't have sinful anger. It's quite funny that Candace Owens is trending. I'll tell you why. So Ron DeSantis has been groomed and and positioned correctly. Many have found connections, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But see, the thing is, the past is only what demons attack you with. Now, do I like Ron? No. Are people upset that he's ungrateful? Whatever. Don't you see? For example, do you guys think that I hate all the red stringers? The Yanons? Hmm? Absolutely not. One of them said, you attacked Anons. No, you misunderstood. I kicked the hornet's nest. And that's what I have been doing. And the only people that have the ability to kick the hornet's nests are the ones that stand firm in their faith, that wear the armor of God and know exactly where they stand, knowing that whatever confusion they kick and whatever confusion they cause will not harm them as a person. So how do you separate the wheat from the chaff? You must look weak. You must allow for the chaff to burn, in their own words, of course. You can't help people with enemies around your side. What is the saying? You must, what was the, 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 the words? Um, behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of, wood, of, of wolves. Be therefore as wise as serpents. That's fascinating. Because one must have to think, how do serpents behave? How do they work? In that verse, Jesus commanded his disciple and us to be as wise as serpents. And wise meaning that you have judgment and you trust your God. You're careful, cunning, discerning, thoughtful, intelligent, sensible. Right? It's perfect. That depicts the actions of snakes. They're careful. They're discerning. They're intelligent in how they act. In fact, we're supposed to be wise as serpents. That's obviously something we were supposed to learn from the behavior of snakes. Aren't they the ones that can? What was being said? Remember, it was Jesus that chose to use a serpent to make his point. So let's consider how they behave. And how that would relate to you. So when serpents move into an unknown territory, they don't announce themselves, right? They don't say, hey, I'm here. They don't come in with an entourage pimping along with horns. They lurk in the shadows and they lay low, right? They're just in the background. 
And maybe they go to parties where everyone drinks and they don't. Maybe they work in intelligence and just go along with it. Maybe they become property magnates that allow them to enter into these unknown and unkind places without detection. They stay quiet and they blend in. They rub shoulders. They listen. And what they do is they evaluate every single situation. They observe, almost like the way I observed November, December, and January rallies for the president. I observed. I simply blended in with the crowd and observed. Just an example. So as a snake will evaluate their situation and environment, they see the opportunities. They see the weaknesses. They see the strengths. And then they can also identify where they can run for sustenance and shelter, of course. Where are the friendlies? Can they identify them? So they find these friendlies amongst the new and unchartered and evil and dark areas to find hiding places amongst people that are one and the same, those opportunities, so they don't get attacked. Maybe they'll rub elbows with someone very important or maybe fund people that are very important and give them shelter. And they lay low. They observe. They observe where the easiest prey is, and they observe where the hardest is. And when all this information is assimilated and collected, the serpent is ready to act. And so Jesus had said that wisdom that there is wisdom in the serpent's behavior. The behavior, which is what we need to learn. So when God tells you or me to do something new, right, it is wisdom for us to do things or go through uncharted waters in this new phase of life with the wisdom of a serpent. But a lot of things that a lot of us do is we respond too fast or we react too fast to the new environment. Like, I don't know, a manufactured dispute between the governor of Florida and the president of the United States, just hypothetically speaking, of course. So they act too fast. And when you act too fast, before you've gathered all the facts and assimilated them, well, then we can make really bad decisions or, you know, if you kick the hornet's nest with a false attack, argument, or question, well, then the serpent is no longer laying low. In fact, this could be one of the most detrimental mistakes of all. 
and you lose it all in one sweep. And, uh, well, your cover's blown. So you must always lay low, stay quiet, and blend into the environment for a while, like you've seen many influencers do. Learning from the sights and the facts that are being observed, so that way they can blend in and gain trust. <laughs> but when the hornet's nest is kicked, you know, I've done it so many times, there's a proof of concept out there. How many of them have shaken and fallen off that tree? Right? You see? Serpents are wise enough to know when to seize the moment and strike. It's all about timing. Timing is everything. You know when you need to lay low and knowing when to act is important. And it's when the prey walks right by the serpent that it can strike. Patience. If the snake and the serpent stay in too long into the shadows or into the role that they're playing within this environment, well, then maybe the prey will be irretrievable for them. So it has to be perfect on timing. Perfect. So when is it time to act? Well, the one thing you know is when it's time to act, you need to park your emotions and your fears and actually seize the moment to strike. The fears of who you will lose for saying something. Who will understand what you really stand for? The sadness of seeing someone you love turn their back on you. The sadness of your hopes in a certain person or group of people or everyone. You have to come to terms that those are just fears. So you seize the moment because that's what you're supposed to do. Many people pray and pray and pray for divine opportunity to come to them, always. They pray all the time, come to me, divine opportunity, come. And they're patient that that perfect moment in time, that golden era of time to come. And it does. Opportunities. A great door of opportunity stands in front of you every single time. I mean, there's a saying. All doors in ancient times were considered portals to opportunities. Be mindful when you cross thresholds to request that great door of opportunity. And that is when you act. But rather than seizing the moment and walking through the door, sometimes you must pause a little bit longer 
You must pause and wait. Pause right in front of the threshold. Because God brought you and our nation to the right place. But do not pause for long. Because when you pause, you lose the opportunity. Do not be late. Strike with precision timing as it has been done so throughout time. Everyone can tell when the right timing exists. It makes sense. So is it the right time to exert righteous indignation? Yes, it is. Because it is through that righteous indignation that you exert that people will take advantage of. They will mock you and they will shame you for having righteous indignation. Let's take a listen from the Gospel Coalition, what they have to say about righteous indignation. Well, yeah, uh, certainly there's a lot of anger, whether it be um, bosses to workers. uh, Sometimes there's anger at political figures, uh, even in the family, where it's a parent, child, or uh, often husband and wife are very angry uh, with each other. And sometimes we equate anger automatically with sin. But uh, I think the Bible is clear that you can be angry and not necessarily sin. You know, in that verse it says, in your anger, in Psalm 4.4, in your anger, do not sin. Um, in Ephesians 4.26, be angry and sin not. Um, and certainly if we look at the life of Jesus, certainly there were times in his life he was angry. You know, he was angry at those money changers who was desecrating uh, the temple area with their money, ex- exchanging money. And so uh, Jesus certainly was angry. And also that there were, um, uh, you know, mentions quite often, especially in the Old Testament, about how God was angry at how uh, the Jewish people live, whether it be their injustice or in selfishness and those kind of things. So I think we first have to realize that there can be righteous anger and then be unrighteous kind of anger. And, the, uh, and how do you know the difference? Um, certainly, I think anger means it's, it's a strong feeling that we have. And um, we, we want to have, be angry at the right, the right things and not be angry with the wrong things. And so if uh, we're angry because if this is some value of God, we're concerned about His glory, then that's the time that we can be angry and we have righteous anger. But if we're just angry about um, petty things, uh, things that relate to ourselves, things we can't get our way, then those are the wrong kinds of, of anger. I think uh, uh, we also can look at it from a constructive and a destructive kind of thing. That um, constructive anger would be focused on the problem, for instance, uh, whereas destructive Anger is just letting your emotions out and yelling at somebody and that type of thing, and you just focus on that person instead of the problem. And so I think, uh, for instance, when I counsel people, uh, husband and wife, uh, I tell them, you know, you, you have to be like where God says he's slow to anger. Yes, he gets angry, but he's slow to anger. And so sometimes you need to take time to find out the facts, you know, just because somebody is late 
home for dinner and you made this wonderful dinner that you prepared and your husband is late, maybe you need to find out why is he angry? You know, did he hit a traffic jam and all those kinds of things. Uh, and, um, and, and so the anger needs to be slow. You need to find out what those, uh, what's the problem. And sometimes you need to go out and to even uh, reach out to that person and to try to be reconciled. The Bible talks to, to us about how uh, we need to go to that person. We have something against a person. We need to go and try to uh, talk to that person directly. Rather, So let me give you an example. Remember when I posted that post on Truth Social that had a list of names, right? And I wasn't calling out all of them. There were specific names on that list that I wanted to kick the hornet's nest with. And then suddenly, who was it? Lisa May Crowley came out of some hole telling me that my name is on that in the matrix, which was so lame and funny. But, you know, she's doing whatever she's doing, right? I never trashed her. Never trashed Carly. I mean, Kathleen Carly, I share her stuff all the time. It's entertaining. And it's a subtle red pill. But why did they attack? Because they didn't have all the facts. They showed that their tribalism to whatever it was, was more important than looking at the picture. I wasn't kicking the hornet's nest. Why? Do I need to be outcasted even more? I mean, do you guys remember when um, it's like a the story of the Israelites? Do you guys remember that? And he was trying to save them, and then they were angry at him because it wasn't done the right way, right? So they outcasted him, right? What happened to the people that outcasted the person that was trying to save them? They were bitten by snakes and they were dying, right? See, sometimes there's a method to every single thing that's done. And like he said, you make a great dinner and someone doesn't come home on time. There could be a reason. They could be in a car accident. Uh, maybe they could be helping an elderly person cross a crosswalk or they lost their keys or they slipped and fell or, you know, they won the lottery and they were just so shocked they went there or they were out of money or maybe they died, right? We don't uh, go into a assumptions quickly because that shows our immaturity, right? And those that show immaturity means that they are not concrete in their foundations, right? Mm. So this is how that works. Now, many people have built themselves in, in life in general from a young age to an older age or changing their careers or new habits or whatever through dark pathways. I am one of them. Through dark pathways. I mean, it's in the darkness that light shines the brightest anyway. But that doesn't mean that they need to maintain that route. Except... If they're trying to be wise as serpents, to penetrate whatever environment they're trying to penetrate, allow me to provide an example. I mean, I feel like a trendsetter, right? It's like almost everyone I put in my mouth suddenly becomes a spotlight. The human, the human race, race has, has never, never been more connected. It takes a nanosecond, a mere push of a button to share our ideas, opinions, and emotions across the world instantly. But for every cat meme your best friend tweets at you, 
or for every I miss you comment your grandma leaves on your Facebook wall, there are literally thousands of instances of hate speech being circulated online. Because when communication happens through a screen, and when moments are experienced through a lens, a terrifying extraction takes place. The age of technology and social media has slowly disintegrated individual accountability. The consequences of which are devastating. Rebecca Sedwick, the sixth grader, committed suicide last week. Authorities say she suffered nearly a year of cyberbullying. Two girls charged with using Facebook to taunt and bully their 12-year-old schoolmate until she killed herself. They say weeks of constant bullying cost him his life. We are fostering a society of online bullying, social tormenting, and irresponsible sharing. With the ability to privatize social profiles and use pseudonyms in place of real names, it has been a free-for-all. That is, until now. So far, so good, right? This is an old video. So far, so good. We agree with that. The anonymity has increased the animosity. And being wise, you identify that. You amplify that. Right? You amplify that. You amplify how the anonymity causes harm. You know, what's now called as cancel culture. Wait, there's more. Hey guys, my name is Candace Owens and I am the founder of socialautopsy.com, the first ever search database that aggregates people's social behavior. Wait, are you talking about data collection of social behavior? That's interesting. So um, what we should do is we should mine everybody's data to be able to identify how they operate. Wise as a serpent, no less and creates real profiles for them. My team and I came together because we all grew up during this generation of the huge technology boom and we understand the harm that social media like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter has allowed for, which is essentially a dehumanization. How right? So because there are so many people that take advantage of it, what we should do is we should create citizen profiles. We'll compile all your profiles in this thing called the social autopsy. So we can tell the world who you really are, you know, because you might be a cyber bully. How can, How can we bring, we bring it back it? to the, we don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all, or the old school, say it to my face mentality online. Are, are if you have nothing compliant to say, don't say it at all because we have you on social autopsy. See, uh, you know, they make you believe that they understand your problems, amplify them, almost sounds like the whole racial wars, right? And then they give you a solution that is a new plantation. Our answer, Our answer was simple, simple, through accountability. So what we do is we attach their words to their places of employment, and anybody in the entire world can search for them. Right? I mean, this is how you cancel someone. You'll know everything they say and where they work, right? See, one thing when I kick the hornet's nest and, you know, and, I feel, and I'm feeling feisty, it's all about timing, the right timing. And I'm no juggernaut, I guess, but I always go for the low-hanging fruit because I've learned, even though people like to go straight for the jugular, I have learned very, 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 very early on that if you start ripping at their appendages of influencers, well, 
The head of the snake looks at you and begins to throw more. You see, I've learned this throughout time. I mean, they're wise as serpents, but they're wolves, and wolves react. They can't help themselves. You see, I have been completely sequestered. I have been extremely silenced. Remember, it was the right movement that perpetuated what the left said and what that pedophile did to me in my name. The crimes that were done against me were used against me more by the right than the left. I want you to pay attention. What we are doing is figuratively lifting the masks up so nobody can hide behind, you know, Twitter handles or privatized profiles. Um, It's all real and it's all researchable. You can still say whatever you want to say on social media. You can still say whatever you want on social media, but we're going to have a doxing site for you. So that way, when you say something on social media, we'll fact check and see if it's the right thing. Well, if it's compliant with what society says you should be saying. Yeah, but you have to be willing to stand by your words. We are asking for your donations so that you guys can help us expand this database. What we want to do is clean up the internet so that we can make it a safer place for the individuals that are coming up in generations beneath us. Sounds like Big Brother to me. Wow, isn't she amazing sticking up from for free speech? As long as you stick by your words, because anything you say on the relay will be used against you. See, and this is why I love Mia. You know, know. and then people come to me and say, why are you selling an NFT? It's so bad for the environment. And you're like, well, where were you 10 years ago? Where were you 10 years ago when WikiLeaks was telling you before they were leaking documents on the government? And let's face it, they leaked documents on anything. When they were leaking documents about corporations saying, oh, you can't give corporations this mass control like you know, Mark Zuckerberg has now, or Amazon has now, or blah, blah, blah. You can't do that because it's going to be authoritarian regimes coming in. Next minute, you're going to be living in a dictatorship. Next minute, they're going to do whatever they want. Next minute, you're going to have to, like, be treated like cattle. Next minute, you're going to have to have, like, stamps on your sleeve, and you can't go into shops to buy food. Next minute, you can't go on the bank, banking systems, whatever, because they did that. All of the banks, after 2010, banned WikiLeaks, so nobody could uh, support them or donate money through normal banking methods, including PayPal, which is all about Elon Musk. So all the mainstream bankers, all of the even internet bankers, pulled out and then that left WikiLeaks to only function on Bitcoins and you know funny enough like what's happened to Bitcoins happened to Bitcoin but that happened because people were people who are part of the truth tellers who tried to save you from what's happening now were economically sanctioned and they were banned from taking any 
um, donations or funding um, uh, from any normal transactional methods. So, it's a bit of a mindfuck to talk about how terrible NFTs are to the world without talking about who then tried to stop this 10 years ago and you didn't believe them and it's not that you didn't believe them but you were against them because at that time you were led down a funnel of thinking that you know this is all about rape and you know some other thing when you know what it's about and now you know what it's about but it took you 10 years it took you 10 years to see the truth so before you jump ahead and make all these crazy judgments just think about that like think about what you're gonna say in 10 years time so So, as you see, they all hated, they all hated Julian Assange for speaking truth, but then they loved him later because, what was it? Fake rape charges, right? Seems like the, the cycle of misinformation and disinformation that they use by actually weaponizing the courts. See, that was a video she put up over a year ago. Let me show you some more of, um, you know, the, the star. But before I do, let me show you some other stars that have taken the bait, smelled the chum in the water. Makes you sad. We'll argue for you. We'll talk trash about uh, all these people all, all day, day long. long. This, this is what we do. However, as a president, you need to be presidential. There's no need for all the text, but I'll tell you this. People ain't going to like what I have to say because there's a cult. Oh, oh, oh it's a cult. And I'm not saying you, you in it, it but, but I'm, I'm saying, saying there's, there's a group, group of people. Do you see it now? Can you see me now? Can you see what we, the people, have been doing? And guess what? We are the 1%. Sons and daughter of this republic. Look and learn. Look and learn. Sons and daughters of this republic, look and learn. What do I say? There's a method to my madness, right? Have you seen how every single thing that they were to do, I've already mm, tried to, and I know that there's many other social media influencers like me, disruptors. I'd love to pull pants down. I want you guys to be paying attention. Look and learn, my dear sons and daughters of this republic. Look and learn. That no matter what he does, they were going to support him off a cliff. Same thing on the left. No matter what Gavin Newsom do, and I'm not comparing the two, but I'm just saying there's a loyalty. No matter what Gavin Newsom do, they're going to support him off of a cliff. No matter, no, matter, no matter what Kathy Holcomb do, does, they're going to support her off the cliff. Lori Dirtyfoot, they're going to support her off the cliff. 
There's there's people uh, uh, AOC. There's people that, that do, do not, not have, have an, an open, open mind. mind. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna say this for the fifteen hundred. Ah, but he does, huh? Because he's a wise serpent. See, see, it's timing. Everything is timing. Everything is timing. I've always said from day one that they will pull their own pants down. They will tell you exactly who they are. You only have to listen. The argument now is, whoa, he attacked Candace Owens. That's a huge mistake. (laughs) Really? Do you know the real Candace Owens? Because I do. You know, Candace Owens started her career at some modeling firm, which is no shame. There's a lot of people that think, you know, they're pretty, they have something to offer, and they look to see how they can capitalize that. And that is not a problem. When it's for a force of good, of course. Now, allow me to interject here. My observation, as wise as a serpent, slithering through their ranks all these years. If you remember correctly, Haley Kennington, I'm going to take you back now. Haley Kennington was a writer for Big League Politics. She got fired. Fired by the owners of the franchises. But I wasn't. And I was the most controversial. Remember, I was writing articles and they were publishing my name, even though I was going through court, because guess what? They knew exactly what I was going through and what kind of fight I was fighting. But what did I do? I took her under my wing. I said, I'd love to help you. Allow me to help you. You can write for me and any income that comes on Google ads or anything, I'll send you. You can have access to it. I want to help you. And that's what I did. I would pay her even when I didn't have any money to pay. I would struggle, but I would pay her first before I put food in my mouth. And it was okay. And then one day she gets a a letter saying that she failed um, her background check to be a research analyst for Trump's administration. You're welcome, President Trump. Because here's what happened. Amanda Millis is a great film producer, director. She's so smart and so kind. And she loves her country. But she is a woman too. And she was flanked by a nefarious intelligence asset. Really good looking one too. That nefarious good looking asset was linked to the same firm that created Candace Owens. And so, you know, I'm watching this as I watch the same asset that attached himself to Amanda Millis attach himself to a very dear friend of mine whose career in journalism was railroaded. They sequestered them. But allow me. Daniel Bostic, I've showcased on my show many times. Boyfriend of Ali Akbar, praising him like he's from Jesus, right? His dad was the lawyer for that modeling agency that gave you Tommy Lahren, Scott Pressler, you know, um, Candace Owens, et cetera, et cetera. Now, did all of them follow the rules? No, not necessarily. Did all of them have to stick to the script? No. There are many of them that decided not to follow the script, and they got ill, 
They didn't do their job, or maybe they were a little bit more stealthy. Who knows? And holding out. Nobody knows. We will speak to those that have already chosen their path only. So continuing the saga of me hiring Haley, as she was writing for me, she was also doing something she can't talk about. But I already knew about it. She was working on the plot against the president as one of the content researchers. She was also very good friends with Isaac Cappy. Fast forward. Millie Weaver and I sat down with Gavin and powwowed on how we're going to expose the data over collection by the NSA. And with Millie Weaver, we created a ton of videos, which are still on our YouTube under Clues, a playlist called Clues. During that time, I found a gentleman who had been outcasted by the intelligence community for filing against whatever. And in comes Patrick Berge. I approach Gavin and tell him, you know, I think you should reach out to him because it's very important that we get his side of the story. But I warn you now, I believe that the only reason he filed it was because he was cut out of money. And they made him homeless. They wanted him to pretty much kill himself. So anything he says, we take with a grain of salt. But he has very good insight. And I believe bringing him in would be ideal. In comes the 4th of July of 2020. I get a phone call from friends that trained with me in the underground bunker in Hawaii. Patrick Berge had been offered in March of 2020 after getting communication from Gavin and Millie. Well, he got a phone call. He put out an APB. You guys want to take out Brennan's chick? You want to set her up with the Q stuff? You want to get these people out who don't abide by the script? Allow me to help. Highest bidder wins. And suddenly Bergie, who was crying about being broke. Suddenly, he was able to get a little bit of cash income. Haley Kennington, at the same time, was working with the Plot Against the President movie. I want you to pay attention. And as that time unfolded, many more people around me were requested for information. Admins on my channels, friends, right? So I'm watching this. Obviously, it's very difficult to tell one friend something so they don't tell another friend, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because, you know, one person tells another and suddenly the genie's out of the bottle and I couldn't do that, could I? So in March of 2020 and April, Patrick Burry went to work offered classified information to Gavin that Gavin never published. See, the one thing about journalism is unless you have a .gov source for classified information that you release, if you release it, you are committing crimes and therefore you have stolen documents of national security. And so it begins, the plot against Millie and Gavin. So comes the 4th of July, 
I meet Bergie face to face. And oh boy, he had just had COVID. He was sick. And he felt better. Drove on his new Harley that he could afford to strap even though he was apparently homeless. We had another whistleblower that we've never put on air before, and I'm sure with Shadowgate 3, that will be coming out. It just so happened that Bergie had hoodwinked a little bit, my friends, because he seemed kind of legit, even though he had no qualms about shooting raccoons or talking about getting jihadis pucked and killed and laughed about it. And so, as that is going on, our new whistleblower comes in, one that reached out to me, I reached out to him, and, you know, we got together. He came to Millie and Gavin's home to be interviewed. He was very nervous because Bergie was there, having worked in almost, well, having worked around the deep state, let's say. His red flags were all over the place. In the meantime, I was still writing articles, and I was anticipating the release of Shadowgate. For whatever reason, Patrick Berge was right next to InfoWars the minute Millie Weaver was arrested. Talk about diabolic timing. Almost like he knew. On that Friday, as the movie was being sent to me for a private screening, my friends were arrested for espionage. They were taken under DHS and whisked away. The only leverage they would have was to take away my, child, my, my friend's children, right? The Department of Justice servers across all Ohio went offline. They couldn't even process them. Good people went to work really fast. But Bergie was on InfoWars because he happened to be right there when it happened. Almost like he knew. Almost like he knew. I already knew. I was already told. Funny how Robert Karen came in and It was just a mess. And then my friends, after being arrested, were released on that Monday. We were able to disrupt their plans, you know, having me there screaming and telling them, document that you are having the CPS hearing before their arraignment, document it, document it. They couldn't do it. So you have to disrupt their plans. My friends, get out of jail on Monday. And as we're going to their home, I get a text message. Hey, why is your website rerouting to the Hearing Association of Kentucky? I'm like, what? That's weird. But it's a good thing that I have very good friends. My SQL was completely deleted off of the CompuServe server that it was sitting on almost instantly. That meant all my emails, all my articles, my whole website deleted. 
Haley Kennington was the one that gave access to Daniel Bostick's team. Oh, let's rewind. Remember I told you Haley Kennington was writing for me, therefore I have nothing to hide. I didn't want her to think I was stealing anything or underpaying her, so I gave her full transparency. Daniel Bostick was one of the people that worked on the film Plot Against the President. Haley Kennington did too, and so did Ali Akbar. I'll tell you what they did. Daniel Bostick, who also modeled for Wexner, by the way, right, and his dad is the lawyer for the firm that creates all these influencers, right? They wanted access to the President of the United States. They needed to have proximity. So they created this film using poor Amanda Millis with that good-looking asset she had by her side to put it together. This happened. That exactly happened. And almost instantly, Roger Stone demanded that Millie Weaver get fired. I'll tell you what it was. It was people telling him without seeing it that, oh, it's trashing you. It's a hit piece on you, Roger Stone. But it wasn't. Remember, we saw Gavin McGinnis saying, yeah, I heard it's a hit piece. And then he watched it and he's like, it doesn't look like a hit piece. Remember, we saw that live. So now let's get back to the beginning of this plot against the president. Like I said, Daniel Bostick was on the team. His dad is the lawyer or co-owner of Illuminating Media, right, for these uh, social influencers like Candace Owens and others. Proximity to the president, amplifying social media influencers. Now let's take cut to the handsome young foreign intelligence asset that flanked Amanda Milius. That asset, a year prior to plot against the president, flanked my very good friend. My friend, who was making waves with her reporting. My friend that handcuffed herself to Twitter, warning you all of everything. But the people loved her. No matter how polarizing she was, they loved her. And so what happened was, they decided that we will sequester her. And so it began. That same person was managing my friend's site, was in control of everything, probably even stole money from her. I'm alleging that. That's not a fact. And suddenly, the force to be reckoned with that was reporting truth that everyone wanted to cancel and label was sequestered. And they caused her to almost win the election, but not so close. Because they want to disable you. The, pers- the first person to have the same sanctions that WikiLeaks had was her. Remember that. The amount of attack that you get from the establishment is just how important you are to th- overthrowing them. That happened. This is how they work. They're serpents. Not wise as serpents. Actual serpents. Before I continue this saga, take a listen to what else. He explains a way of how you're a cult. 
if you believe that the man that showed you the corruption is a cult. I think people like him also called the Julian Assange people a cult too. Somebody's going to cut this video and say, Brandon Tatum's turning on Trump. I'll vote for him again. He runs unopposed. I'll vote for him for sure. You know, I'm leaning more towards DeSantis, but hey, we'll see if there, if there is a run. Just, Just so, so nobody, nobody get confused with what I said. I voted for Trump. I voted for Trump twice. I vote for him if, if he, he runs, runs again unopposed. You know, you know if, 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 if uh, Ron DeSantis, DeSantis gets in the race, it maybe it'll be, be very competitive. competitive. However, However, beyond that, that, I support Trump, Trump and he, he did, did an incredible, incredible job as the president. I think he could have, you know, it wasn't perfect. I think he could have improved. But this time around, there needs to be more. There needs to be a better approach. There needs to be more, uh, 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 less arguing and more doing, more presidential pr- uh, presentation. Because I, I'm, a, I'm a radical far right, right winger. But the rest of the country ain't. And I know a ton of people that said they'll never vote for Trump again. And there's some people that are suffering from Trump derangement syndrome, which we cannot cure. So we need to be mindful. Even the people that are in the cult, be mindful of how do we win? Because it's not about Trump. It's still about the people. And I'm hoping that Trump believes the same thing. It's, it's not, not about Trump. Trump. It's, it's not, not about MAGA. MAGA. It's not it's about, about MAGA. It's not it's about, about MAGA. It's, it's not about, about winning MAGA. elections. It's not about I MAGA. I don't care what quarterback. It's not about MAGA. It's about the people. You see how they convince you? It's not about MAGA. It's about the people. It's not about MAGA. It's about the people. Oh. The one thing about serpents, actual serpents, is that their brains are really small and their IQs are even smaller. It's important to know that. The man that gave you truth, the man that gave you the power back, and those of you that, with dedication, support this man and allow him to kick the hornet's nest every now and then, is suddenly a cult? How do these people get paid? Hmm? How do they get paid? Hmm? How are they able to get paid? I can tell you how I get paid. I get paid by you, the people. But they double dip. They have sponsors. Right? And they take money from the people too. Right? This is how they have their amazing studios. Right? You see how that goes. Ron is playing his role just right. I have played my role just right for these serpents. I want you guys to be paying attention more. Let's take a look at this old video. I hate when guests come over and they're all like, do you mind if I use your bathroom? As if I could ever be like, no, hold it. I hate raisins. I hate the friend who is all like, did you see last night's episode? It was so good. Oh, really? Thanks for the heads up. I hate you. I hate both parallel parking and back-end parking. I hate when I'm watching TV on like an even volume six and then a commercial comes in like, what the fuck? Who just turned up my TV? I hate rich people that donate to environmental causes and still fly private. And they're hobbyist stay-at-home spouses who think philanthropy is a trend and parenting is optional. This holiday season, I'm gonna like take my son to a homeless shelter so he can like learn about poverty. 
Are you fucking kidding me? Currently hating ads on Instagram. I hate smokers. Loud talkers. Soft talkers. My ex-boyfriend. Shitty flights. All flights. Fuck raisins. I love the memories of my father. He passed away from cancer two years ago. But I, I remember the way he used to sing. He had a beautiful voice. I love strong women. My mother is one of the strongest women that I know. And I can only hope that one day I'm half as strong a woman as she is. And that I can be strong for my family and for my future children. I recently became an aunt, and there's nothing more in this world that makes me happier than my nephew Nicholas. I love dancing. I love my people, my family, my friends, everyone around me who I love so much and who makes me who I am. I love making myself proud. I love reaching a goal within a field that I never thought I'd even be part of. I absolutely love children. I was a nanny in college, and being around them taught me not only so much about myself, but so much about the world. They really do know the secrets. Ah, it's so socially, morally woke, isn't it? See, everyone tells you who they are. You're just not listening. The internet is, though, they're really listening. They're not very happy either. See? It's hard to watch, isn't it, Donald? Ron DeSantis betrayed you to become a star, raising millions by stealing your act. Winning straw polls and fans, they're running to Ron, and Ron's running against you. You made him, and he betrayed you. He's laughing at you, running against you. He's taking everything from you, and by the time you fight back, it will be too late. Sad. All right, Roger, you and I have done what it was needed to be. And that it is. As you can see who they side with, you can see what they stand for. The internet sees it too. Check this out. They're not happy. What I am saying is that Trump needs to take a good look in the mirror. And he needs to take a good look in the room, and he needs to read the room accurately. He needs to take a look at those that are around him that are inspiring this paranoia, making him believe that everyone's out to get him, including his friends. And he needs to exercise a tiny bit more humility when he gets something wrong. Trump is not perfect. I'm not perfect. I get things wrong. I edit. I say, thank you guys for bringing me this new information. I hadn't realized that. And there's still a period where he could transform, but I think the results of last night's election, which are still coming in, show that we aren't sure. He's not sure, and therefore, we aren't sure. And that's all I have to say about that. Oh, yeah, you're still his friend, right? Nipping at his coattails for a dollar. All of you are, right? When he's weak, you come and strike. How many of you did it? Tons. And it's about time you pay the piper because the people that were telling you they're against President Trump were actually for President Trump. And those that were telling you they were for President Trump and telling the world that you were not, 
you were making them look crazy or I don't know, scammers and grifters. Who's grifting now? You've been grifting on his coattails forever. And well, you'll see. I mean, how many people when I've kicked the hornet's nest suddenly went into bankruptcy or begging for donors? It's important to pay attention. Now, we're going to take a little break. But to do that, I thought I would show you real evil. Evil scientists. I'm pretty sure this um, channel that does top 10, you know, most amazing top 10, will probably add Fauci here at some point in the future. Please enjoy this segment so you can see pure evil during this break. On that note, let's take a break. Right off the top, here we go. Pun intended. The first ever successful monkey head transplant was back in the early 1970s. I imagine some of your parents may have heard about this. It's probably pretty hard to forget. Maybe ask them about it tonight while they're mid-bite at dinner. American researcher Robert White pulled off the otherwise impossible in a slow, tedious operation. White took the head of one monkey and then attached it to a headless monkey. Yeah, add a little time and energy and voila, this actually worked. Yeah, believe it or not, the monkey actually tried to bite one of the surgeons once it came to, which, I mean, totally fair. I'd be a little pissed off too, if I just had a different body all of a sudden. Sadly, the monkey passed away nine days later, which is much further than I ever thought. But the fact that this actually happened is one, terrifying, and two, dare I say, miraculous. This is some sci-fi stuff right here. And here you go, new head, enjoy. Number nine, monkey become human. Okay, this next test here is a little less hands-on. So if you have some food, you could probably take a bite during this one. It's safe. Back in 1931, psychologist Winthrop Kellogg, familiar name, he was curious. Yeah, he sat up one night out of the blue and thought, hmm, what would happen if a monkey was raised with humans? Yeah, would it end up like that monkey from MVP, Most Valuable Primate? Would it learn to play hockey for the local team? Or would it learn how to do kickflips with Tony Hawk? No, none of that shit happened. Surprise, surprise. Kellogg brought a baby female chimp named Gua into his home, and this man raised a chimp as if it were another human being alongside his own son, human son, Donald. Yeah, they played, they laughed, they did everything together. But the test ended abruptly after Kellogg's son, Donald, started to make chimp noises. Yeah, and then everyone was like, you know what? I'm good, let's cancel this. Maybe chimps can't learn how to heel flip. We're done, let's go home. So Gua was then, Released, there we go. No more human best friend, you know? Back to normal, dare I say, normal? Number eight, feel the music. Okay, this next one here is a little fun and we're on a part three and I have to talk about it. I just have to talk about it. There are many odd experiments in history where humans should have left, you know, human elements out, like music and illicit substances. I can't say what I wanna say, but it's white, it's fluffy. It's a bad substance that's white and fluffy. There you go, that's all I'll say. YouTube's like, what is he saying? I can't figure it out. There you go, only, only you and I know. We're too smart for the algorithm. Well, back in 2011, a study was done where rats, just a bunch of rats, were all put in a room and on loop, they played a Miles Davis song. So they're all on said illicit substance, right? 
that stuff. And they were in a room while Miles Davis played all, all day long. Just smooth jazz all day. I'm not laughing because like it's funny. I'm just, it's the weirdest thing. Imagine walking into this room by accident. You're like, what's going on in here? Oh my God, everyone's all hopped up. Well, before the substances were injected into the test subjects, they all seemed to have calm demeanors while Beethoven played on loop. But after injected, all the rats were neurologically triggered to that smooth, smooth jazz. Yeah, after one week on the sauce, the rats were all of a sudden like, you know what? Miles Davis, kind of slaps. Been sleeping on Miles Davis this whole time. They're all like, yeah, Miles Davis, really good, so good. Horrible animal research and taxpayers' money. Yeah, we love dark history here on Most Amazing Top 10. Number seven, the first pregnancy test. If you're looking past the ancient Egyptian times and their use of barley and urine to determine if somebody is pregnant, you'll often land on this experiment from the 1930s. Now, it was developed in 1931 by Dr. Maurice Friedman at the University of Pennsylvania Medical School. Now, what would happen is doctors would inject they would inject a rabbit with urine from a woman who was suspected of being pregnant. And the rabbit's ovaries could easily tell if that was the case. Accurate test? Yeah. Historical? Of course, it changed the game. Would it also end up with the rabbits passing away? Sadly, also a third yes. It's sad, but more often than not, when humans are involved with any medical process, the test subject dies. You know, before having its head transferred to another animal or something, you're like, what the f happening here? Number six, small brain and big brain. This next one here, I mean, again, we're on a part three. We're getting into some f up stuff. Here we go. In the early 19th century, humans were figuring out a lot of uh, firsts, you know, especially German researcher Carl August Weinhold. He was on the quest to prove to all that the brain and its nervous system were both attached by wires. Yeah, in order to do so, he took brains and spinal cords of deceased cats and he filled the cavities inside with zinc and silver batteries. And like we know now, the obvious happened. The bodies began to reanimate as if they were alive again. Huh, it's like it's black magic. Or batteries, probably batteries. It's definitely the batteries. This was the first time this type of test was done and now we use electricity and silver for other ways, of course. But thanks to this curious doctor, the early 19th century saw some early Bill Nye the Gross Science Guy stuff. Again, Imagine walking into this room by accident. It's like, oh, what's going on in here now? Number five, the multi-dog. Ah, nice, I love dogs. Let's get a bunch for the price of none. Back in the 50s, when a Soviet scientist, Vladimir Demikov, created a multi-dog, Time Magazine had to cover it. Of course, this is a feat in science. As cruel as it sounds, of course, the adult dog had a newborn grafted to its neck. It's impressive, but also you're like, ew, my God, Jesus. So when it grew, it could survive off the blood of the main bigger dog. The body, for lack of a better term, gross. When observed, the puppy did have its own characteristics, which was the craziest point here. Some say it was playful with its growls, just as the other dog's characteristics would be. It's a sad 1950s Soviet animal experiment, so of course the animal didn't survive for a long time. It just, you know, all of a sudden it was on something's neck and then it was in the next life. That's horrible. Number four, the great razor auk. Once thriving in colonies off North Atlantic coast, the great auk would grow to 30 inches long and its wings would only be used to swim. They were little cute tiny boys. They were cute, but quite defenseless, obviously, since they're not here anymore. Around the 1500s, European fishermen discovered this perfect area for hunting. And it just happened to be where most of these great auks were all living. Yeah, Newfoundland, go get screeched in and then take out a thousand ox. There we go. It was packed, so they rapidly declined. And by 1950, the last two known specimens were hunted by a single fisherman on LD Island. What a But now, scientists plan on using genetic information extracted from their fossils or preserved organs. You know, people, how they have, you know, birds in jars and stuff like that. They plan on editing their DNA into the closest living species, which is now the razor-billed auk. So yeah, the organization Revive and Restore may bring these birds back to life, so. 
cute Flappy Wings may just return. Remember that game Flappy Wings? Disappeared from the app store so quick. Disappeared faster than number three, the dodo bird. Dodo birds were once big and beautiful. These flightless ground nesting birds once filled islands all over the Indian Ocean. They had massive talons, they were gray and blue, they didn't have any natural predator until, you know, we came along. Sorry, we got hungry. Around 1507, the island was discovered by Portuguese sailors and the rest is history. They were the easiest bird to hunt, hence the phrase, dead as a dodo. That's where it comes from. They weren't just loved by sailors either. No, monkeys, rats, pigs, any animal that made its way to the island easily had their eggs for lunch. And reminder, they were big eggs. So it didn't take a long time for the dodo bird population to be completely wiped out. The last dodo was hunted in 1681. Again, imagine being that guy, what a dick. But could it be? Could we bring the dodo back to life with science? Yes, apparently, this could be a real thing. Scientists found an extremely well-preserved dodo skeleton back in 2007, so we may have a chance at picking some DNA apart. A research facility near Melbourne, Australia is currently trying to use pigeon genes and we're gonna see them in the sky. I mean, I'm all for the idea of bringing back, you know, animals and stuff. Scientifically, that's a wonderful feat, but do we really think no one's gonna make dodo bird chicken wings? I'm gonna get that on Uber Eats in a year. I can just smell it. Number two, the gastric brooding frog. Crossbreeding and gastric brooding. Nice, we're getting close to the end, it seems. I'm a big fan of frogs and the gastric brooding frog is particularly interesting to me and also scientists due to their birthing process. If you're eating something, now would be a good time to you know, hit that thumbs up, maybe take a break, put that food to the side for a bit. See, these frogs back, you know, and when they were alive, they would swallow their eggs and then they would hatch them later out of their mouths. Pretty, pretty horrible if you watch that in time lapse, I bet. They're fascinating creatures. And with the Lazarus Project, scientists are actually trying to bring back the Australian gastric brooding frog from extinction. So we might see this horrible act in person. You might go to catch a frog and then all of a sudden it'll be like, Wah! and then as a baby will come out of it and you'll be like, all right, I'm all set actually, how about that? They went extinct back in 1983, but scientists have figured out how to implant dead cells into a fresh egg from an entirely different frog species. Amphibians are declining worldwide, so if we can get these guys back out of extinction, it'd be one point for Gryffindor. We'd be looking a lot better, that's all I'm saying. And finally, number one, Martha. Look, I like to keep it light, so I have to end with my girl, Martha. The passenger pigeon once flocked over the skies of Canada. This was the 19th century, and it looked a lot different. Billions of these bright orange birds would just paint the skies, and rumor has it, they would fly in flocks so large that it would block the sun out for a short short amount of time. Wow. Hashtag flocks that block. We love it. But only a few decades passed and the passenger pigeon, just, they're, they're gone, just like that. They're no more. So what exactly happened? Well, the very last passenger pigeon, her name was Martha. She sadly passed away in the Cincinnati Zoo in 1914. So we took a look at her DNA to see if Martha held any secrets to her past and their extinction. And we found a couple. They discovered Martha had a low genetic diversity for such a growing population. Natural selection and hunting eliminated the nicest looking pigeon, arguably. The last one died in 1914, but in 2019, paleontologists found remains of the pigeon in protected indigenous lands in the Northwest Territories. So now they blended passenger pigeon DNA with dinosaur DNA, so that's always exciting. We've seen a few movies on how that can go wrong. We're bringing back pigeons with a touch of dinosaur. I'll say it again, on one hand, I'm glad science is allowing us to, you know, try again, have another go, but look at the pigeons we have now. Those pigeons are hardcore. These things will walk onto the subway with you. Pigeons today will ask you for change. They're ruthless, they're covered in mustard. It's not the same. These graceful birds from the 19th I feel like we're bringing back Captain America. You know what I mean? I don't think these old school chaps will appreciate the new game of pigeons. pigeons. They're a little, a little dirty. dirty. I don't know. I don't think they're ready. And I don't think we are either. Are we ready? You know, that's funny <laughs> that that experiment is where it ended. Because those in Montana and North Dakota and uh, even some places of Minnesota 
have observed in those areas things that they thought were pterodactyls. That's so bizarre, right? So bizarre. Now, before we get into the tea time where we left it off at Millie's arrest, I want to give you guys a, um, well, let me just put a parody video that was made before we get two versions, okay? Before we get into it. I want you guys to just pay attention to this because I found this extremely hilarious yesterday. Extremely. Let's talk about about the story. Kellyanne Conway, former counselor to President Trump, Fox News contributor and author of Here's the Deal, a very good book. Um, How's that thing doing, by the way? You were at the top of it. I think. I haven't looked in a while, but I I love it. People are buying it. I'm going all over the country. I was at the Reagan Library right before you. I was your warm-up act. (laughs) My warm-up act. <laughs> Hold on. I've got another version that I love. Um is I, I don't know. Maybe I just found it extremely funny. Hold on. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about the story. Kellyanne Conway, former counselor to President Trump, Fox News contributor, and author of Here's the Deal, a very good book. Um how's that thing doing, by the way? You were at the it's top great, of the I list. think. Yeah. yeah, I haven't looked in a while, but I, I love it. People are buying it. I'm going all over the country. Was at the Reagan Library right before you? I was your oh, warm-up act. <laughs> my warm-up act. So just the, th- the point here, maybe it's an obvious. So that was the full version, right? But hold on. The slowed down one is the fun one. Let me just get that for you. Because I was just like, excuse me? Did I just, what? Because I had to play that. As I was listening to the news yesterday, I had to replay that. Here it is in slow motion. Kellyanne Conway, former former counselor to President Trump, Fox News contributor and author of Here's the Deal, a very good book. Um, How's that thing doing, by the way? You were at the top of the list. I I haven't looked in a while, but I I love it. People are buying it. I'm going all over the country. Was at the Reagan Library right before you. I was your warm up act. (laughs) My warm up act. Was your warm up act. (laughs) My warm up act. So just. Yeah. So, you know, that was a little bit weird, but you know what? I like Kellyanne. I thought it was hilarious. You know, I enjoyed it. I'm not, you know, more power to her. I mean, he would definitely be an upgrade from George. Right. Uh, But, uh, you know, I just found it like, hey, (laughs) Goodlow's got some game. Uh, (laughs) Speaking of that, uh, I was going to play a clip of him, so I I couldn't resist uh, sharing this. I, I just couldn't resist sharing that because I found it hilarious. I mean, more power to her, whatever. Right. Um, and she, and she's pretty slick on the flirt. I like that. Um, and I'm not dogging her for it. It's like, you know, Oh my gosh, I, I, I actually watched it. I was actually on the phone with one of my best friends and I was multitasking, having a conversation, uh, going through J six, by the way, it's in the final cut. It's insane. Um, you know, just uh, annotating, making notes. And now it's go back, highlight, outline. You know how that goes. But um, <laughs> I was like just listening to the news and, you know, that came on and I was like, whoa. I, I felt the vibe I got was, whoa, did I just like walk into the bedroom? Like, you know, I felt like I was like, you know, the third wheel in that exchange of conversation. And I literally blushed. I died. I was laughing so hard. I think my friend thought I was insane because I found it extremely hilarious because it was so casually done. But, you know, whatever. Uh, Let's see what, let let me show you what I wanted to 
to demonstrate before I got into it. Carrie Lake, Arizona Republican gubernatorial candidate. Carrie, thank you ever so much for this. Appreciate it. And I'm reading, Carrie, that there's over 600,000 uncounted ballots left in Arizona, the vast majority of which probably go Republican. What can you tell us about this little scam? Uh, Well, (laughs) they count ballots real slow here in Arizona. (laughs) We're going (laughs) to fix that. Yes, we feel very confident. We know we're going to win. And uh, the question is, how big will the margin be, the, the victory margin? You know, of those, I'm looking at my, my sheet here with all of the, the data, and over 600,000 left to be counted. And of those, close to 400,000 are mail-in ballots that people showed up at the polls on Election Day to hand deliver. And we believe, and, and pretty much everyone believes, that if you did that, you don't trust the, the drop boxes and you don't trust putting it in the mailbox. And that's why you did it. And those are going to be a reliable, strong Republican vote. The question is, do we get 52 or 53 percent of that? Or are we going to get closer to 80 percent? Anything's possible with that vote. And we are going to win no matter what. The question is, will Blake win? And I think that there's a real good chance that Blake could win. Now, the election, the ballots they're counting right now, Larry, are ballots that were mailed in and arrived before Election Day. They're tending to go a little bit more Democrat or fall 50-50. So we're waiting for this big tranche of votes to be counted, and they are dragging their feet to count them in Maricopa County. Yeah, so uh, experienced broadcaster that you are, you sort of preempted my next question. How is Blake going to do, Blake Masters going to do? In effect, can this pull him over, do you think? Is, he's still in play, isn't he, really? He's still in play. Yes, He's still in play. Now, we're expecting some numbers to be released tonight, and they could go either way. We could see a boost or we could go down a little. And I am I'm hoping that the propagandists out there and the fake news don't try to call it because we need to wait until these this big tranche of numbers is released in the coming days. Mm. And so I think he could see his numbers go down a little bit, but I believe he will go way up. And there's a good shot he could win this. So mm. I don't think they'll call it. Hopefully they'll be responsible. Two-house sweep is still possible. Let's just, uh, leave, for a moment, leave Arizona and look at Nationwide. Um, it wasn't as strong as a lot of us hoped it would be. I call it a platoon, not a cavalry. But platoons can be very strong themselves, you know. And if you get two houses, it will be an even bigger platoon. But here's the point I want to make. I'm reading the newspapers, conservative newspapers today. In the Wall Street Journal, the editorial side of the Wall Street Journal, there were no fewer than five anti-Trump hammering Donald Trump, two editorials and three opinion papers. And in the New York Post, which is editorially quite conservative, as you may know, and is widely read, um, the front cover was pounding on Trump. The editorials were pounding on Trump. Carrie Lake, why is this? I mean, I don't, this was none of these guys. I had all these Senate people on, including including uh, uh, Blake several times, by the way. The guy got better every time he was on. They weren't talking about the election <laughs> results of 2020. They're talking about inflation. They're talking about crime. They're talking about the border. They're talking about drugs. That's right. My point is, why are people blaming Donald Trump? And by the by, Trump won many of these races and he may win a couple more. Pennsylvania didn't work, but a lot of others did. I don't get this, Carrie. You see what I'm saying? Why is everyone just slamming Donald Trump uh, yesterday and especially today? 
It's hard to believe, but there are still Republicans who don't want him to run again. I would be I would be thrilled if he runs again. I hope he does. We need him to get in and clean up what Joe Biden has screwed up. But nobody wanted to talk about the 2020 election because the fake news made us feel terrible if we did talk about it. I can tell you, Larry, that I was on the campaign trail for 525 days. That's what Arizonans are talking about. And look what happens when we don't address problems with our elections. We end up with another election that's not run well. So we're going to deal with that. I think they want to have a little war within the Republican Party. I don't think that's smart. We've got great candidates. Ron DeSantis is great. Christy Noem is great. We've got a strong Governor Yunkin. We're going to have a strong Kerry Lake. And we have an incredible President Donald J. Trump. I hope he runs again. There's a lot of years for everybody else to run. We'll see what happens. But I'm not going to bash President Trump. He was one of the greatest presidents we ever saw. And I think um, maybe they're hoping he doesn't run and they want to see somebody else run. I, I'm a big believer that President Trump is the leader we need right now. Well, it's just an odd story. Um, as you know, I worked for Trump for three years. I mean, it's just a very odd story. Nobody wants to mention his accomplishments his achievements, how well he managed the economy, how well he managed energy independence and foreign policy. They're all throwing that out the window. And okay, Pennsylvania was not the best moment. I get that. Trump himself gets that. But I'm just saying, why all of a sudden is everyone pounding the poor guy to death? I mean, he did a lot of good things for this country. I'll tell you why they're doing it, because he's probably going to announce he's running and some people don't want him to. But I don't think that's going to stop him. He did amazing things for this country. His America First policies had every group of citizens doing better. Didn't matter what your skin color was. Didn't matter what your zip code was. We were riding high under President Trump. The country was in better shape. He he ended wars. He didn't start any wars. He had brought peace to the Middle East. Uh, Our 401ks were looking pretty good. And if you look at your retirement savings right now, I talked to many retirees who said, Carrie, I just retired. I might have to go back to work. My retirement savings has shriveled up. It's dried up under Joe Biden. And we need somebody to get us out of the jam we're in. President Trump did it once before. I think he would be a great candidate. We'll see what happens in 24. Mm. Who knows? But all I know is we need a solid person to take the place of Joe Biden because we can't handle much more of that guy. Anyway, Carrie Lake, thank you for coming on. Good luck in the next couple of days. You're going to make it. I know you you will. will. I have nothing but confidence. I hope Blake Masters comes. (laughs) Larry, so hot. Now, before we get to the tea, I want to remind you something. I want you to remember that in 1776, when the revolution actually happened, it lasted for eight years. Sons and daughters of this republic. The farther back you can learn about and see, the further into the future you can determine. Europe, Asia, Africa. They have all been lulled by red, communism, all created, of course, by this great nation that was destined with the third blow to fail. The nations of the world are conspiring against us with the aid of people within our borders. Darkness has befallen America. And many are in despair. The fog of war and confusion. Confusion like no other. They say you shake the wheat to separate it, right? 
to get the chaff going, but no, no, no. It's usually through fire. In great darkness comes great light. Even a flicker shines. And boy, people do flock to that light. In the thicket of it all, with the cries and the prayers and the groans of many, he listens. Always thank him. He is one of the great scriptwriters. So fear not. He's with us. Watch and learn. In this revolutionary war, it looks like the one that you believe is your last hope is being smothered by darkness, being cast aside, cast aside. Again, I turn to history. If you remember, the Israelites were complaining constantly. They kept complaining, 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 but not doing much. And the man that tried to save them, they cast him away. And what happened to them was that they were bitten by the serpents. And they were dying. But God did make a way, didn't he? Moses lifted the serpent. All they needed to do is see it. We can't tell you. You have to see it. And while many think that they need to look a certain way or sound a certain way, you don't need to do anything in particular to do great things. For many, they're losing a lot. They're losing jobs, friends, and family, and their minds. I know the thing that we're losing. It's time. I, who like to mock and allude to my ability to control time, I am, in fact, losing most of it. We are taught to love our enemies and those that persecute us. And it's through that, and it is that, those are actually the means and tools where hope actually burns brighter. But when does hope translate into action? Hope is action. Faith is is action because his kin his kingdom is unlike any not any you'll ever see but a kingdom you cannot see you do not have eyes or ears that can help you see and hear it see flesh is of the flesh earthly bounds are of the earthly bounds but being born of water in the spirit those binds cannot hold. Because the light of hope burns and sanctifies the noose, or noose meaning mind, spirit. And that's done effectively in darkness. And that is how your spirit is revamped. Have you ever stood, just stood idly, 
I urge all of you today, if you venture outside of your home, even outside of your porch, outside of your building, or stepping outside of your car, take a moment and just stand still and just listen. You might have the noise of the busy streets, children playing, if your weather permits, sirens, and the wind. You can definitely discern the wind because you know it exists, but you can't see it. You can feel the direction it blows, but you can't see it. And therefore, how do you know it is? You just do. The serpent that has been raised for you to see for the past six years is there. It's evil, deception, lies, murder, sodomy, crimes against children, humanity, excuses for evil. In a sense, think of the United States of America as a soul you wish to save. You show her the serpent because you wish to deliver her from sin, deliver her from spiritual death. You know, when you come across uncharted waters or a novel topic, in the Supreme Court, it's called the case of first impression when something's novel. Well, is this really novel? Did you know that at the times of George Washington, it wasn't two percenters? That's a lie. It was 3%. 3% of the colonists were the only ones that stood tall. The 2% that made up the army. And the 1% in the unexpected part of the heart of America. That 1% that was not guided by the influence of governors and politicians and bar and restaurant and housing owners. But the 1% that went through word of mouth under all scrutiny, 3% stood. Huh. 3%. And it was in October of 1777 that George Washington, exactly October 17th, 1777, a year into this Revolutionary War, that George Washington realized that there was a wind of change. The elites are arrogant. They have destroyed our history by taking away our monuments, our books, our facts. We are in the thick of it right now. And it's extremely easy to destroy President Trump, it is. The fate of this nation should not be sealed with treachery, lies, and complacency. It is to be sealed by that two plus one percent. Oh, oh, oh. The eyes of the people of that three percent see. They see the union because that is what we are, a union. 
What we need to be doing is praying that others have courage. Courage is a quality that is highly overlooked. Courage is to dismiss the power of fear in your life. They have tore down our founders, and the whole world now is conspiring against our nation. Not their people, but their leaders. This is a nation that claims that in God we trust. Shall we not prevail? All hope for many is being challenged right now. This republic was destined to fail. This republic, this land we stand on, paid for in blood, is destined to fail. This experiment of freedom that we call the United States of America was destined to fail. As I said, the pain the woman felt when she took that declaration while the ink was wet, was stained with her tears as she went to print. Yeah, it was a woman that was the printer. Because she knew that its fate was sealed on that day, conspiring to destroy it. But courage comes in many shapes and forms, and courage and good can outdo any written destiny by man. When that dark cloud hovers over America, in the shades of Western world, Eastern, Far Eastern, Middle Eastern, and African come to smother it. It'll be that light that will break through. And in order to ensure that you dispel darkness, you must first acknowledge its existence. Because the Greek word for confusion means unstable. Very specific. It means unstable. In other words, in the Bible, it tells us that a double-minded person is unstable in all his ways. In other words, one who is inconsistent, flips and flops, is unstable in all his ways. The situation is out of order, therefore out of control. But remember, God is a God of order. He has set up these lines. Lines that are violated 
lines of authority that they violate. And once you cross a line, every type of evil spirit can trespass you. And remember, you don't get to choose the brand of evil spirit you want. That be jealousy, that be envy, that be gluttony. You don't get to pick it. It picks you. And when you get out of line with the way God has designed things to work, the devil has a legal right to touch you with any form of evil he wants. Confusion saps your enemy. Your creativity is drained. There are people that you should avoid. You need to walk away from people that tend to bring you down. The associations of your past can drag you down and hold you back. We all know this. Many say we should look into the past of Ron DeSantis. Does that define him today? Absolutely not. Can it give you an inclinage? Maybe so. But always be objective. Sometimes you're cast for a role and you don't even know you've been cast. And you're one of the stars or lead supporting actors. Remember, the demons can keep you from fulfilling your potential always. And these are through relationships that all of us forge, either with friends, family, or relationships we form with influencers or the TV media personalities or politicians. I have told you this many times. Turn them all off. On election night, the first thing I said is, turn them off and stop listening to anyone. Their job is to influence you. I talk to you, my listeners, from a position that you should understand that every covenant that you have entered with, with a person, right, in any covenant, or relationship that you have has been ordained in your life. Sometimes you can't just casually walk away from these relationships. You can't put down your phone. You love your TikTok. Maybe it's your mother, your your husband, your wife, your child, your nephew, your niece, your sister, your brother, anybody, your neighbor. Sometimes you can't just walk away from people. But those people that are that close to you, your family, know exactly who you are. So I'm not speaking of them. I'm telling you to walk away from the friendships and the business associations. The casual acquaintances. The media empires. The social media buddies that you made. Your influencers and distant relatives who remind you continually of who you used to be or what people think of you or that demean you. They are more important to you, right? 
those old opinions of you that they restate were not God's opinions. Remember, Matthew was a tax collector. You know, I should play that clip. Let me find it. To remind you how your past means nothing. And I say this because I wish all of you to encourage all of you to run. Do not feel afraid. You must run. You must run. We live in the same world. Hold on. Let's, let me share this because you need to see this again so that you can understand. This is one of the most, I believe, important parables that everyone should be adhering to. We live in the same world, Matthew. Next. Besides, what else are you going to do with a mind like yours? Matthew. Matthew, son of Alpheus. Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy's done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to... What are you doing? Where do you think you're going? Guys? Let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. Yes. I didn't get it when I chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. I'm glad we passed by your booth today, Matthew. Yes. Shall we? We have a celebration to prepare for. You will regret this, Matthew. What's the tablet for? Grabbed it without thinking. You can put it back. No, no, keep it. You may yet find use for it. Where are we going? A dinner party. I'm not welcome at dinner parties. Well, that's not going to be a problem tonight. You're the host. Hey, it's Dallas, and the creator of The Chosen, and yes. Do not forget, Chosen Season 3 is starting next week, right? Now, what does that tell you? Like when we see it, it's like, oh, okay, so Jesus chose the misfits. 
See, God doesn't see what other people see. He was the deep state, right? He was the henchman for the deep state, right? He caused harm, pain, and anguish to many people, didn't he? But he easily gave up those chains, gave the Roman the keys to his fortunes and his stability, gave him the ring that showed the enslavement. And if you remember, what did the Romans say? You're going to regret this. Right before he was called to take the path of serving man, the Roman told him, with a mind like yours, what else are you to do? Now, I want you guys to understand that in your life. If you can objectively observe yourself, I'm sure many of you will weep. Try it sometimes. Try to objectively observe your life. Objectively. Do not make the excuse for the wrong choice or the right choice. Objectively observe. It's a very hard thing to do. To objectively observe. If you can successfully objectively observe yourself and weep, then you can see. I think this is one of the most important things or secrets I've ever shared. I was taught that secret at a very young age. I remember being trained to do that, to objectively see myself. I'm going to tell you this now. It's a very painful process. It's a painful process to objectively see yourself. But when you can objectively see yourself and go through the mourning process of the missed opportunities, the failure to understand what your purpose is, Once you acknowledge that, then you can weep, pray, and forgive your enemies. Now, Roger Stone, your mission has been accomplished. Thank you. Now, let's go back to the tea. To shift gears, shall we play a song? Let's shift gears to finish up the tea time story so that you can find out how this story will end. Give me one moment. There we go. I should share the music video too. I love high res. I should definitely share the video. Common sense, bipartisan bill that is the best chance we've had in years to fix our broken immigration system. It will build on what we've done and continue to strengthen our borders. 
Just doesn't mean just defending white Americans. Most American border patrol is Mexican. It's evident the president and all those who elected and pretending that they genuine. It's all about the Benjamins. These intelligence agencies hiding all of the skeletons. Kids overdose on fentanyl. If not, they'll find some heroin. Use emotional tactics distracting us from what's fantastic artistic work today on showcase fantastic now let's get back to the tea we were talking about two three four five operations deployed at once <laughs> so i hope you keep track so we'll stick to mine now let's recap in the background they have been creating social media influencers those actors and aspiring actors or artists that were cast for specific roles. Not without careful planning. See, if years ago they were already mining your data and mining all your social media profiles out in the open, telling you and selling you the idea, well then, do you think your government hasn't done that? I wrote about that. It's called the citizen log. Well, on big league politics. Which is now, I guess, it's big league politics slash national file. Amazing reporting. Sticking to the truth. Let's pretend we all get in a room and we sit down, all of us, all 4,000 of us take a seat at the table. We all discuss the issues we have and the concerns we have and realize that all 40,000 of us see the concern. We already knew the writing was on the wall, that the fate was sealed at this third attempt to take down this great nation. Every single one of us cast each other for a role of how they would be able to orchestrate and put those seeking to take down our nation and destroy it into the right boxes at the right time with the right people around them. Some were tasked to enter office. Others ran new newspapers, outlets, and vlogs and blogs. Cozying up to the covert operation of insertion and the overt activities. Many slotted themselves into careers within the military and government. Others were elected to be Congress, Senate, presidents, you name it. We all sat down and had this conversation together. And we chose the right moment in the right role, a core center command operation existed. But God works too. He also appoints. He also ensures that the sheep and the flock that have strayed will hear his words. And so that began. And many that were villains were actually the heroes, and many that were heroes were actually the villains, and many that were heroes played the villain because they were heroes. Many stood in front to take the brunt of the force. This is what war is. 
in all war has one primary kickstart, deception. And the only way you can discern truth is because truth resonates to the ears that can hear. Gone are the days that we used to be able to see things and recognize their tangible existence. But how do you see a war that your eyes can't see? How do you see a war that you're participating in? You're in the thick of it. So let's take that 40,000-foot view. In August of 2020, after my friends were released from jail, they were fired from their job. Red State Talk Radio said, oh, you know, you're too Q. You sound like Q a lot. So um, Paul Preston and I decided that it's best for the radio network that, you know, maybe you take a break for two weeks. Remember, it's the same Red State Talk Radio guy Scott Adams, that knew exactly what was going on with my lawsuit in North Dakota, knew exactly what was happening, and yet he did that. Why? Money. Three pieces of silver. We'll see how that works out. My SQL was purged by Haley Kennington. Where is she now? She got a house out of it, but where is she now? Millie Weaver and Gavin lost everything. And in the fog of war, they attempted to scurry and deploy things earlier than they should have. And we're in that fog of war. And they're my family. And they struggle, just as I. It was really hard to conceive that when you're not on a script, you're outcasted by those that you're even trying to save. I know. I remember living in a city where all I did was try to help, try to support a community that was destroyed, taken advantage of that was very important to the Chinese too. And that's why it was done. And I wouldn't even be able to go to the supermarket because someone would throw something at me. People I don't know. People that I tried to help. Or I'd go to the movie theater with my child and sit down, and people would get up and leave from being around me. This is how evil works. It wants to shame you into submission, hurt you so bad that you don't even want to speak, demonstrate to you that you are nothing but an ant. But if you remember, one ant alone could fail. Probably, definitely fail. But of a lot of ants together, well, that's a force to be reckoned with. So after the arrest of my friends and release, and everything we had destroyed, I lost all my emails, my articles. And again, I'm a one-woman band. I do not have a production company. What do we do? I continued. I continued on, and I was even stronger then, because what were they going to do? Rip away what I have? That was already done. I was already purged through the fire in my personal life. You think that you can hurt me when he is with me? Never. And so we had gathered so much evidence when the plan was 
We show people the overcollection. We demonstrate it to the world. And because we were a very loud voice, and people listened and heard, we were attacked like no other. And they shamed us to be submissive. I didn't. In fact, it was at that time with the coincidental, oh, I just happened to be right around the corner from InfoWars, that I said, whoa, I guess being kind and giving love doesn't help this person. That means I need to have them even closer, which I did. Sometimes even demons can't stand to be around good because they run. When they consume a soul, they are still in the process of consuming until it overtakes them. When it overtakes them, you could see it in their face. Suddenly, when they smile, you see more fang, right? When they smile, they seem more evil. When they speak, it's with more hate and detest, self-loathing and pulling from their past of how important they were and how much they demand your respect. This is across the board. And so the roadblocks and challenges continued. But the people persevered. As the election neared, we not only had their plans and blueprints, but we had them on audio, video, and documented. This whole plan. The plan of January 6th. And what's interesting is, as this plan was created and morphed, Many people were trying to align it with some information that was being released on alternate boards that was commanded by people who used those tools in the past, in the Middle East, et cetera, et cetera, right? It was hijacked. When you take something that was created for good to create evil, that pings back on you tenfold. And could you imagine being the author of some of that information in watching the very people that you were trying to benefit from that information take it and destroy it? You can't help but have righteous indignation, of course. And then the elections happened. I myself sat and spoke with many. I advised that chasing the balance was a psychological operation to demoralize the nation, to perpetuate the notion that their voice is being smothered, therefore, wear them out. I mean, if I got in the ring with Mike Tyson, I wouldn't be throwing punches. I'd be running around the ring trying to avoid him and tire him out. Because we're the Mike Tyson. And they're the soy boy beta guy with the tight jeans in the ring. The only thing that person can do is to wear us down. And so as we continued on the path in September and October, the elections hit. 
What a fantastic opportunity to bring evil to me. I suggested that we bring in the person that was tasked to frame me and silence me and lock my friends away for daring to go against the establishment. And so I did. I kept them close, so close. So very, very close. I thought if I give them enough love, they will come clean now that we have access to tell the people so they can come clean. Give them love. Give them everything they want to be adored, to be embraced, to have money in their pocket, and not worry about tomorrow as long as they're doing good today. Oh, boy. They got a new car. They were even looking to rent a home. Fabulous clothes, shoes. But that was enough for him. He had to complete the task and take his slot back into the ranks. It wasn't enough that the people thanked him for participating. It wasn't enough that he was fighting alongside many to help this great nation. It wasn't enough. And I'll tell you when I knew it definitely wasn't enough. On January 7th, as I walked into the room to sit down with Mayor Rudy Giuliani, and I said, the keystone to all of this is the footage that I grabbed live from Jaden X, which he purged afterwards and re-uploaded. And they all sat there saying, no, 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 no. How do you know? Who is this? I don't know, but that's the key. Patrick Berge came in and offered his key tam, saying that by creating a new company with PETA servers and creating a public utility company that he can run, and by adjudicating his key tam, we all win. That was not the case. It was all about him. Him, him, him. It wasn't about the people. And unfortunately, the next day I had to leave because I had to go to court. Well, my children had to testify. And that's where I realized it's a problem. Well, I mean, I had the hint before because I took him into the situation room and sat him down and let him speak rather than me. When they asked me to speak, I said, no, let him. Because this was his opportunity to do good. It was his opportunity to participate in saving the nation. And instead, he talked about himself and what he wanted to do. And that's where you know the demon is no longer consuming you. It is you. And then you just follow the demon to see what path they're going to take and alternate, which was, hey, why don't we all go on book tours? Why don't we all go do this? Why don't we all have shows? Why don't we all do this? Oh, introduce me to this. Introduce me to that. And Roger Stone went to work. Good for him. Sent his, you know, former assistant, whatever, next to him, pregnant, Enrique Tario's baby. 
causing him even more confusion. Got him out of our hair. And it didn't take long for Millie and Gavin to see it themselves. You can't tell people. They have to see it themselves, always. Now, this is just a personal experience. I want you to understand, if it happened in my camp, which is me, right, just my world, imagine how many other people that have been saving America have undergone the same scrutiny and the same type of drama around the world, not just America, but their nations too. Many. Objectivity is important, and love for the enemy is important. You must love your enemy. You must feel sorry for them. I know many of you observed an issue I had with someone. My campaign was infiltrated. In fact, someone had law enforcement issues, and Leslie Wexner went to work. He tried to have someone suggest to that person to entrap me. But they failed. They failed. Because the evil, when it tasks you to do things, it tells you, hey, for example, Mary Jane is really a grifter. Mary Jane just wants to make money, right? And they grift. So offer them some money and you'll see what I mean. Just offer them the money. Mary Jane didn't take the money. Cognitive dissonance right there. Mary Jane didn't even acknowledge the money. Mary Jane ripped up checks. Mary Jane didn't need that. Mary Jane was busy doing what she needed to do. So they fail. Assumptions is the problem that we all have as people. We assume we know best with the limited information that we have. Objectivity is key. And objectivity is very difficult because we're emotional creatures. We think with heart and spirit. And that's the problem and the solution. If you think with heart and spirit, well, if you cross a line, you invite other spirits in and you don't get to choose which one. But if you also think with heart and spirit, you think with great mercy and love. And suddenly that flame of hope and light in the darkness becomes a roaring fire. As you can see, disinformation is very purposeful. Not only does it afford you a cloak of protection, keeping the enemy guessing or from seeing you, but it also creates a smoke that irritates the spirit of those worker bees. That's why kicking the hornet's nest works a lot. See, I kicked the hornet's nest, uh, what was it? I want to say 2019, when Cassandra Fairbanks said something, and I said, you're all feds, man. Jim Hoft. CIA asset. Did you see him embrace Ali Akbar? I hope you guys are paying attention. Are you paying attention? Did you see him thirstily, thirstily embrace him? Take a step back and be objective. 
And as you sit back, you can see the patterns yourself and understand it. The truth isn't dramatic, doesn't have fancy lights, usually wears a potato sack. But it is a force to be reckoned with. And O ye of little faith, those that chose fame and glory and positioning, your script is now evident. There's a lot out there about a lot of people. The last rally I went to, I sat behind the president's family. Cash Patel, by the way, was wearing a really wicked jacket. Like, those threads were off the chain. But I also saw people surrounding my president that shouldn't be. That shouldn't be. Their liabilities, they're wise like serpents. But we all know many snakes. I take snakes in all the time. But I have faith. And I'm limp in his hand, and I wish everyone else could too. Have that faith and that strength. Because then you realize that's the biggest anti-venom. Because when they strike, nothing happens to you. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. This is going to be a hard time for many of us. As we struggle to discern what's real and what's not. You should know people by their fruits what they have accomplished, what they fight for, and what they really stand for. Those that waver in times of adversity, in times of escalated attacks and disinformation, were never standing still with the full armor of God. All of us have accomplished many things through these past few years. It is because of you that we are not locked down. It is because of you, Pfizer, is coming to fruition. It's because of you, the mask mandates are seen for what they were. Priming you for slavery. (laughs) Yes, kid. (laughs) They primed you for slavery. The masks were to challenge the rights of parents to their children. The vaccines were to challenge your earthly beliefs to your personal beliefs. They pushed the boundaries of what you call self-sovereignty. And while many, many, many use the fact that the president of the United States helped push the vaccines as if it's his fault, This is where they ail. He did what he had to do. Separating the wheat from the chaff. It is important that people exercise their free will. Because only those that have strong will, strong convictions, and faith, and stand firm in what they believe, survive. Therefore, 
Do not blame someone for doing everything that everyone did in the world. And do not tell me that Ron DeSantis didn't do that either. Because this is where you lie. You have free will. No one is responsible for you doing something. Because if they are, then you belong to a cult. See, that's the problem. Those that cry, oh, well, he said, well, what if he said jump off a roof? Would you do that? See, that's when you know it's a cult. Those that followed and said, well, you know, I know you said that, but I really like you and you're doing a great job, but I'm not going to listen to that, but I'm supporting you a million percent other than that. That is exactly it. He gave the vaccine because he expected you to make a choice. He gave you the rhinos, but he expected you to make a choice. He expected all of you to have been disenchanted after the 2020 elections. But it was assets that have uh, had infiltrated the Make America Great Again movement that had rose up above the surface subtly to take control of the narrative and have you chasing ballots and suitcases and numbers and this and that influencing you in the sense rather than you discern that, wait a minute, this is war. This is indeed war. I'm going to sit back and watch this. Why aren't we using any common sense? They're obviously doing it so blatantly. There's got to be something there. No one's that dumb. They literally were on camera with a suitcase. They literally did this. They cut this off. They stopped counting. They, 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 they broke the law with the mail-in ballots. They, 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 yet the influencers pacified you with memes and songs and buy my book and look at my podcast and look at me with access to the president and his team rather than you be focused on the solution. And anyone that offered a solution, anyone that offered common sense, was cast aside as if they were the problem. They increased the cultish-like behavior in the Q community, right? Because it became a community and it became cultish. Because there were infiltrators there too. You know? That's the way it is. Look above the fog. It's not that hard. Do you know how easy it is? Get up off of your knees and just stand up. And suddenly everything makes sense. It's going to be really wild coming soon. Really wild. So wild that Tucker said something pretty sensible yesterday that I enjoyed. Talk about towing the line, Tuck. Tucker Carlson, tonight, a lot more than half of the entire population of the entire state of Arizona lives in Maricopa County. The cities of Mesa, Tempe, Scottsdale, and largest of all, Phoenix, are all within the county's borders. If you want to win statewide in Arizona, you have to win Maricopa County. Unfortunately, as of tonight, we still don't know who has won Maricopa County, either in the U.S. Senate race there or in the governor's race in Arizona, because officials are not even close to finishing the count. 
48 hours after the voting stopped, there are still 633,000 ballots still uncounted in Arizona. More than 400,000 of those are in Maricopa County. You're seeing it on your screen right now. When will we know the results? Last night, election officials claimed they'd have a new tally for us by 8 p.m. Eastern, the beginning of our show. But the deadline came and went. By the end of the night, they had finished counting fewer than 70,000 more votes. Then they said they'd have final totals by Friday, tomorrow. But no. Today, the county officials said they don't expect to announce the results of the elections until next week at the earliest. When do you anticipate the votes will be counted in total, those 400,000 plus votes? Well, we have... uh we will be going into next week. There's some onesie twosies, uh, again, pursuant to Arizona law. But I think that we'll see the lion's share here wrap up by early next week. Early next week. Can you give me a day? Are early, we talking Monday? Early, or we... may, may, maybe. I, as long as you won't hold it to, hold hold me to, to it. it. Can you tell us, Mr. Official, Monday, Mr. Election Tuesday, official, when we might learn who won the election? Maybe. maybe. As, as long, long as you don't hold me to it. That was the chairman of the Maricopa County Supervisors. Notice what you did not hear in that exchange. You did not hear an apology. The guy in charge of election results never said sorry for not providing those results. It's hard to understand this. It's not a resource problem, certainly. The budget of Maricopa County is about $4.5 billion a year. For perspective, the entire Hoover Dam cost $890 million to build. And yes, that is in adjusted dollars. So for the price of five Hoover dams, Maricopa County can't even count the ballots in a single statewide election in a country that claims to care about democracy. They can't even manage to let people vote on election day. On election day, according to the county, 70 of 223 polling places suffered major problems with voting machines, machines the county paid millions for just recently. And their failure disenfranchised mostly Republican voters who wanted to cast their ballots in person. One poll worker reported that 25% of ballots were being rejected. Now, you would call that third world, but actually it's beneath third world. Most third world countries have serious elections. They require voter ID. They don't wait days for election results in Ghana. In Venezuela, whatever you think of it, they tally their ballots within hours. But suddenly we can't manage to do that? Clark County, Nevada, the home of Las Vegas, says there are still tens of thousands of ballots left to count. Therefore, we're not going to know what happened in the election until Monday, we hope. We're going to talk to Adam Laxalt about that in a minute. He's running for Senate there. Officials in Clark County are clearly overwhelmed. They're too busy to finish the one job they are paid to do. And yet, strangely, they still have time to attack Donald Trump on social media, which they've been doing all day. First things first. But it's not just Nevada and Arizona. Key house races all along the west coast of the country, in California, Oregon, and Washington State, are still unsettled tonight. They're saying they haven't counted the votes. Really? What is this? Is this fraud? We're not sure. And on some level, it doesn't matter what it is. What we know is that the mechanics of our elections are not working, almost exclusively in states and cities run by Democrats. Are they cheating? Are they disorganized? Again, not relevant. The system is obviously out of control. It's flaky. And systems like that cannot be, by definition, reliable. Would you let a Maricopa County elections official fly your aircraft? Probably not. That's a disaster. Democracy is a faith-based system. You have to believe in it in order for it to work. But who could believe in this? 
So our news media, in case you haven't noticed, has spent the last several years, quote, defending democracy, insert trademark here. So you'd think that democracy defenders would care about the collapse of democracy, but just the opposite. They're telling you it's all completely normal. It's always been this way. If you disagree, you'll be censored on social media, as we found out today. Twitter just slapped a warning label on videos from this show because we reported verifiable facts from election officials about election screw-ups. So it's taking weeks to count the ballots in your democracy, but you're not allowed to notice it. What is this about? Again, we're not sure. And at this stage, there's really no way to know what it's about. So we're not making allegations. But we thought we'd ask, because it'd be interesting to ask, the most obvious question of all and see if we could find the answer. And the question is, who's benefiting from this? And how do you know? We look backwards. So in cases where there was chaos and delays in vote counting over the past several election cycles, what percentage of the ultimate winners turned out to be Democrats? Now, in a fair system, you would think the proportion would land somewhere around 50%, a coin toss. But we checked. Oh, and that's not the case. In 13 recent races we looked at where election delays were well publicized, 10 of them ultimately went to the Democrat. 10 out of 13, 77%. That's not a coin toss. That's a very high average. Take, for example, the 2018 election in Orange County, California. Republican congressional candidates in three of the four Republican-held districts in Orange County had huge leads on Election Day. But in the weeks following the election, those leads disappeared. They evaporated. In the end, Democrats flipped each of those seats in Orange County, which not that long ago was a very conservative area, and some places still is. So how did that happen? Well, the San Francisco Chronicle reported that 250,000 vote-by-mail drop-off ballots came in. Many of those ballots were brought into polling stations by paid ballot harvesters. The Orange County Register put it this way, quote, people were carrying in stacks of 100 and 200 of them. We had multiple people calling to ask if these people were allowed to do this. But of course they were allowed. That was the point. These sudden reversals didn't just happen in Orange County, California. In the state's 21st congressional district, the Associated Press declared Republican David Vallado the winner because of his lead on election night. And it takes a lot. The AP does not call races for Republicans unless they're pretty sure. But in this case, they had to retract the call nearly three weeks later after his opponent took the lead, the Democrat, because new ballots continued to be counted. That same year, again in Nevada, one local paper documented the lengthy problems in vote counting on election night, and of course the inevitable result, which you can guess by this point. And we're quoting. After a long evening of tortuous delay following a historic midterm election turnout, the results were finally in and the blue wave promised by Nevada Democrats became a definitive reality. It was the same story that year in places like Detroit and again, Arizona. It took days for all the votes to be counted in the state of Arizona and ultimately you will not be shocked to learn Republican Martha McSally narrowly lost her race for the Senate. So here you have lengthy delays in vote counting followed by good news for Democrats. It's happened all over the country. In 2020, weeks to declare a winner in the Democratic Party's congressional primary for two districts in the state of New York. In other words, one operation within another operation within another operation within another operation. Encouragement is giving courage and strength to others. I hope you have the courage and you disseminate it to others. For this is a very intimidating task that the American people 
are being tasked with. (laughs) We must cast a bigger vision for why their obedience matters for good and truth and love. We must affirm that their obedience to God and truth counts in eternity. Whatever form it takes, encouragement motivates others to continue running this specific race and fighting in this specific battle. I want you to think of the operations as layers. Most of you that listen to my show are at the top layer. You're at the top layer of the race to be able to see the truth and understand what is going on. But there are many fellow citizens that we have that are buried under layers of operations. Many that come out of the seventh circle in this layer. And as they try to break through the sixth layer, they fail because they lack encouragement. Many that break through the third layer but fail to come to the second and even the top one because of lack of encouragement and understanding within themselves. They cannot be objective. They start to see it more as a cultish behavior as opposed to separating themselves from mass hysteria. They bring you to God, those that encourage you in your weakness. And this is where you question it all. Behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd. They went up on the roof, and they let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. It was Luke 5, 18, 19. It's important to find encouragement. Walking through life in a God-belittling world with flesh of flesh, not spirit, sin-ridden flesh. All of it. You must be understanding that you're against a hell-bent enemy. And alone, it's hard. It's very, very hard. Alone, we easily believe the lies of Satan. Alone, we buckle under the weight of our own sins and transgressions. And alone, we grow discouraged, thirsty, weak, and weary. Like the paralytic. He was alone in the bed until others came to him. We need the help of others, to carry others. We need to be united because where we go one, we go all. Now, before I let you go for this weekend, I want to give you something to ponder about. Isn't it interesting how most of this fraud, most of the corruption 
and most of the insane fighting over who is elected. Pay attention to what I'm going to say now. Is that the state of Arizona? Why not Utah? Why not New York? Why not Detroit, Michigan? Why not Pennsylvania? Why not Oklahoma? Why not Texas? Why is it Arizona? Now here is how you can be objective. Look at the state of Arizona. Take out all the people. Take out all the politicians. And look at the state naked. What secrets does Arizona hold? Why is it that there's such a strong dominance in that specific area? Well, many will say, well, it's a border state. We have tons of other border states. Think. What secrets, what importance does the state of Arizona have that the systemic hungry power and control comes from a state that has no water, is dependent on other states for water, it literally recycles water, so it's not natural resources. There's something else. While many will be like, oh, it's trafficking. Really? Texas has larger borders. That's worse. Remember, Beto owns a chunk of borderland with trains. California, New Mexico. I mean, I could keep going. You got to think really, really hard. Be objective. Because as you're objective, you understand. Why did the devil himself Why did he, that has no name, sit on the throne in that state? What is underneath that throne? In the meantime, encourage others and have faith. Don't listen to what other people tell you to think. The minute you stop listening, to others, telling you how to think, the faster you can think for yourself. God bless everyone. Have a fantabulous weekend. Because I guess we're going to have results on Monday, right? Or Tuesday. Hmm. These politicians are balling, they hot was really important Write these lyrics with my tears, I put aside all my fears Been walking with him for years, I know that he gonna stand Serving yourself is just as bad as serving idols Everything becoming tribal, the further we get from Bible The media full of libel and no one holding them liable They wanna stop us survival, but they can't stop the revival Let's bring heaven on earth by putting commandments first Acknowledging all the worth from our birth to the turf Following over seven laws, you will all be better off. If not, you will be hella lost. Stop picking up when heaven calls. You know.